this is my favorite service. I don't know which one yours is because I know some of y'all, 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 y'all go to all the services. Come on, say amen. <laughs> but I love this service. Come on, say amen. You know, when I went, when I used to go to camp meeting in, in Pine Forge, Pennsylvania, uh, back in the day, um, and, uh, you know, I remember, I remember that the, the, the most energetic services would be the services were at, at, at 7 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For, uh, you figure if you're getting up that early, you must want the word. Come on, say amen. Yeah, yeah. If you're here at 9 o'clock, that means you must want something. <laughs> you want something from God. Amen. And so we're here today, so we might as well praise the Lord. We might as well get something from God. Oh, man, routine ain't going to work for you. What we really need is we need a hunger for righteousness. I'm quoting the scriptures. The Bible says, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, the promise to us is very clear, brothers and sisters. We will be filled. We will be filled. Amen. And so today we, uh, we get closer and closer uh, to that day when Jesus Christ will come again. And we want to be ready. How many are looking forward when your redemption will draw nigh? The Bible says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, because the King of glory is coming in. Amen? How many look forward to that day? Praise the Lord. Well, some of us are looking forward to it, but, but we got to make sure we get, we get there. Come on, say amen. <laughs> got to be ready. Amen? Today, I want to just announce to you that uh, we had just a marvelous time over the past 12 weeks in our Go University uh, classes and groups. Some of you have not taken to it yet, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to encourage you, brothers and sisters. Take the name off. Go university. Take take this. Let's take that off. This is what we're doing. We're having Bible study. <laughs> okay, okay. We are we are we are. So anything that sounds new, sometimes you know, folks don't don't bite, they don't bite on it that quick. Okay, so let me say it another way. Don't call it Go University. Let's call it something else. You know what it is? Bible study. What we have done is we have arranged where we have 10 different classes where we are studying the word of God. Amen. 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 Now, 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 saints, we're studying the Bible. (laughs) I can't get nobody to help me now. Now, you good Seventh-day Adventists, Those of you who believe in the three angels' messages, amen. Message number one, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. Amen. What's message number two? Do you know what that is? Babylon has fallen. (laughs) Babylon has fallen. Last message, don't worship the beast. Neither receive his mark or his image. Y'all believe that, don't you? Y'all don't, yeah, well, get, get ready because we're going to do a series in the next uh, couple of weeks or so where we're going to take you through the whole great controversy theme so you can know what it is that we believe. Now, why do I say that right now? Because if you are a Bible-believing Seventh-day Adventist Christian, then you understand the importance of Bible study. Amen. 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 Now, some of you are saying right now, I study at home. No, 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 brothers and sisters. The way that this church was formed was through Bible study. Amen. Amen. Folks stayed up late at night, mm-hmm. sometimes 24-hour sessions, digging for these truths that you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Or study. Come on in here, y'all. You're not talking to me this morning. I, we are rooted. We are rooted in a foundation, Sister Williams. We, we, where do we come out of? We come out of studying the Word. 
They would wrestle all night long trying to discern what it is that God was saying to his people. And so when we, when we talk about Go University and we talk about Bible study, what we are trying to do is we're trying to recapture. Somebody say recapture. We're trying to recapture the spirit of Adventism. Now, I know some of y'all don't think that, that, this, that Glenville is Adventist. Help me up a little. We're Adventists in here. Amen, somebody. And, and, and what does that mean? It means we are looking forward to the soon return of Jesus. What do we do in, prepare, in preparation for that? We make sure that we are in his word so that we are not deceived. Amen. Amen. So that, the Bible says, if it's possible, even the elect will be deceived. And there are many of us, there are many of us who are planning, who are planning on being ready for the time of trouble. This is what Satan is doing to us when we don't, when we don't get in Bible study. <laughs> He's laughing at us. They don't even study. They don't even make time for the study of the word. How shall they be able to uh, give an account for their faith, Carl Poole, when they are being tried with life or death? And they don't even, and they don't, and, and they're too busy to study. Last semester, we had over 130 people to register for uh, Gold University. 12 intensive weeks in the scriptures. This, and I say we had about 80 of the 130 that signed up to actually show up. But praise the Lord for the 80. Come on, say amen. amen. This semester, we are looking for the, for the sweet number of 200. There, there were some of you who sat out the last semester and wanted to see what was happening. So I'll tell you what was happening. People were studying the word of God and lives were changed. Souls were baptized from the study of God's word. So next Sabbath, we're going to begin our first Sabbath of sign up for Go University. And we want you to sign up for these courses and these classes in addition to our Sabbath school study time that happens immediately following our first service. Would you say amen? amen. How many know you need to get deeper in the word of God? How many know you need to get deeper? Well, then Go University is for you. Amen. As I said before, Pastor Coxon's last Sabbath is May the 31st. And so we are planning a farewell for him and we will give you more information about that. The second thing I want to say before I open up my text for this morning is that on May the uh, 21st through, uh, through 23rd, May 21 through 23, uh, we are having a men's revival here, a men's emphasis week of revival here at Glenville. We have, five, we have four preachers who, ha- who are happening to be here from out of town for another conference who are going to preach Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and Sabbath. It's going to be power pack. Four different preachers each night uh, who have come from out of town, some from California, some from Virginia, uh, some friends of mine from all over the world. Powerful men of God will be here. And the theme for the week is no man left behind. Now, I've been told to tell you that this week is not just for the women, that, I mean, for the men rather, but it's for everybody who's hungry for a word. Amen? Amen. So, brothers, in preparation for that, we're asking, I've been asked to ask you if you will give a gift today of $50 so that we can make that week uh, possible. Would you say amen? Amen. amen? The speakers have been so kind as to tell us you don't have to cover our airfare. Amen. Amen. Come on in here. Amen. Come on, say amen. amen. So uh, we have a budget of $1,800 to make the week happen, to make the whole week happen. And we're asking every man if he will make a contribution of $50. And we believe by the grace of God that we will be able to reach our goal and we'll be able to have an awesome time in God at the end of this month. Would you say amen? amen. Now I'm ready to get into the word. Um, let's go, all right? Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. I should have told the sound man, don't record me until I call for my text. 
Um, but I'll, I'll, next time. Acts chapter 20. And we're going to begin at verse 17. This is our uh, probably, uh, we have two more messages left in our theme on the book of Acts. The theme has been ordinary people. Ordinary people. How many have been enjoying this series on the book of Acts? Last week we talked about Acts chapter 19. And our subject was don't play with the devil. Don't play with him. Do not play with him. He might jump, he might jump out. He might jump out upon you and beat you up and leave you butt naked and ashamed. Come on, say amen. Isn't that what happened to the sons of Sceva? <laughs> Lord have mercy. And so today, uh, our, our subject is ready to die. Ready to die. Ready to die. Ready to die. I'm preaching somebody's eulogy today. Preaching somebody's eulogy today. But Pastor, why would you say something so dark like that? Well, the bottom line is, uh, every sermon is a eulogy. Amen. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, because you don't know when. <laughs> you, you, you never know when. You never know when your time will be. We all know that we all must go this way. However, this is a sermon not so much in preparing for life, but this is a sermon to prepare us for death, to prepare us for death. Acts chapter 20, and let's go to verse 17. If you have found it, would you say amen? amen. The Bible says from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church, when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. Although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews, you know, I love this, that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. In other words, Paul is saying, I've kept it 100. I've been real. From the, I mean, you, can't, you cannot say I haven't preached the word. What I've said to you in public, I've said in private. I am, I am as true as you can. You, I, I have been real and honest and upfront with you. Would you say amen? Paul's working on something here. He says, verse 20 says, you know, I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly from house to house. Verse 21, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Now, verse 22, watch this. Ready to die. And now compelled, now watch this line. And you may want to underline this in your Bible if you have one. Notice, cast this now, because it's going to seem like an apparent contradiction here. It says, and now, compelled by who, everybody? Spirit. Who, everybody? Spirit. Compelled by who, everybody? Spirit. Compelled by the Spirit. I am going to Jerusalem. Paul is saying, the Holy Ghost, will he will not give me rest about going to Jerusalem. I'm compelled by the Spirit. As a matter of fact, the Greek word there is the word to bind. He feels that he is bound to go. He must go to Jerusalem. Why? Is it because something that he wants to do? No, it's because the Spirit, amen? The Spirit, the Word of God says the Spirit has compelled him that he must go to Jerusalem. Now, if you know anything about Jerusalem and Paul, Jerusalem and Paul have always been at odds with each other. Every time Paul, this is Paul's third missionary journey. Which journey is this, everybody? It's his third journey, and, and, and every time Paul has gone to Jerusalem, Paul has run into trouble in Jerusalem. 
In Jerusalem, you got the church folk there. Those are the Jews. Paul used to be one of them. But every time he returns after trying to do work with the Gentiles and reach the lost, they are unhappy with him because they say Paul does not preach circumcision. Paul does not preach the law. That's what they're accusing Paul of. Paul don't preach obedience. Paul does not lift up the standards. Paul is lowering this thing here. And every time he would come to Jerusalem, he would be harassed. He would be beaten. He would be talked about. He would be imprisoned even by the people of God because they did not like Paul's ministry. They liked Peter. They didn't like Paul, though. See, Peter was a Jew's Jew. But Paul said, listen, God has called me to reach lost people, to reach Gentiles. The word of God says as the Gentiles began to flood into the church, the church went through a crisis. And one of the things that you'll discover if you study history, uh, Julius, is that if not for Paul, there would be no Christianity. Christianity would have remained a Jewish sect. Uh, The Jews of that day did everything they could to keep everybody out except them. But it was Paul, because, and hear me now, Paul had to suffer his way that you and I are seated here today. Know this, you ain't no Jew, you're a Gentile. If you were living in those days, they would have laughed you to scorn. They would not have had any part with you. On one such occasion, if you'll study the book of Corinthians, Paul actually had to confront Peter because Peter was, he was being fake with God's people. See, when the Jews were were not around, Peter would hang with the Gentiles like he was a Gentile. And then when, when the Jews would show up, Peter, Peter, Peter would act, he would act like he forgot that he was friends with the Gentiles. And if you read Corinthians, Paul says, and I'm quoting, Paul says, I called out Peter to his face in front of them. He says, Peter, you're not right. Because he says, you act one way with the Jews. He says, you act another way with the Gentiles because you're afraid about what the Jews are going to say about you. So Paul really was the ambassador to the gospel ministry. Paul is an example to us of the person that, that, that does no longer want to be shackled amongst being around the 99. Many of us are content to be around the 99. All of our friends are Adventists. All of our friends are church people. All of our friends are Christian. Paul says that's not what we've been called to. We've not been called to be insular. We've not been called to be exclusive. He says, God has called. I can't get nobody. Nobody's talking to me now. God has called me to go out. God has. And thank God for his tenacity. Thank God for the push that was in Paul. Thank God for the hunger that was in Paul. Can I tell you something about Paul? It is said that Paul walked in all of his missionary journeys. Paul walked. I didn't say he, he got enough. You, you, know, you know what most of us do? And we complain about the ministry that we're in. Many of us complain about the little assignments that we have right now in 2014. And we get into air-conditioned cars. Come on, say amen. We're mad because it's snowing outside. Don't got time. Understand this. You get into air-conditioned cars. You have a nice home that you live in that's heated. Come on, say amen. You have food to eat on your table. Paul, Paul said, listen, Paul, Paul walked 10,000 miles. He walked. Ten, <laughs> he walked 10,000 miles. Listen, I fly all the time. I don't even have that much frequent flyer miles. And that's in the air. Now, that's how many miles Paul walked. But check this out. Paul walked 10,000 miles, and they say that he traveled on boat another 10,000 miles. Your boy Paul did 20,000 miles just so that he could get the gospel bailey out to those that wanted to hear it and that needed it. And if not, i got to give my man his props today. If not for Paul, Willie, none of us would be sitting here right now. Amen. 
Amen. Paul said we got to move this thing out of the four walls of Judaism because God has called us to be a light to the Gentiles. He has called us to reach the brokenhearted. He has called us to set the captives free. We cannot stay in Jerusalem. We cannot remain amongst ourselves. There's a dying world out there that needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And every step of the way, the church blocked everything he did. Isn't that crazy? Well, it sounds mighty familiar to me. Now, I want to keep reading here because I want you to see how Paul feels about this oppression and this opposition that he faced from the church. Watch this, Roscoe. Verse 22. He said, and now compelled by the spirit. I don't care what y'all say. I'm going to do what the Holy Ghost tells me to do. Now, some of y'all need to make up your mind. Y'all listen to people too much. There ain't nothing wrong with getting counsel and listening to folk, but some of y'all need to shut their mouths, quiet the talking heads, and find out what the Spirit is telling you to do. Some of y'all depend too much on what other people think. What has the Holy Ghost told you to do? What I'm discovering now is many of us are not going to be lost because of sins of commission, doing stuff. You know, most of us think folk are going to be lost because they smoke, drink, uh, sex, you know, drug, you know, all, you know, lie, steal. Blah. Most church folk are going to be lost not because of bad stuff they do, but because of good stuff they did not do. Some of us sitting here high and mighty because we ain't out in the nightclub and we're not running around with women and we're not doing all these things. But the word of God is the same to us. What have you obeyed what the spirit has told you to do? Based on the blessing of God that I have bestowed in your life, have you been able to match your investment into other people the way I have invested in you? Well, watch what he says here. And I love this line. The Bible says... He says, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. Did y'all catch that? Paul ain't stupid. I know that if I go there. Now, many of us, if we have to go anywhere where there's opposition, we ain't going. I ain't going over there. I ain't fooling with them folk. Them folk don't want to hear what I got to say. I'm sick and tired of these folk. Many, many of us characterize Paul as this rebel who didn't want to follow protocol. You know what? Paul went to Jerusalem three times in his, ministry, in, in, his, in his ministry. You know why? Because he was trying to do everything he could to plead with the folk. Please, look at what God is doing with the Gentiles. Look at how lives are being changed. Please, people of God, see that God is working with the Gentiles. That was the spirit in which Paul was coming. Please hear me now. Paul was basically saying, look, y'all, I'm trying to tell you, don't get stuck here. There's a work that God is doing all over this world. I just need you to open your, get out of Jerusalem. And every time he would go, punishment. Every time he would go, one version says, abuse. One time they beat Paul up so bad. Even when he went to Gentile uh, cities, uh, Brother Woods, it wasn't the Gentiles that would beat up Paul. You know who it was? Jews literally would follow him. They would fight just as, as they did with Christ, looking for Paul, trying to beat his behind. One time they beat him so bad that the Bible says they thought he was dead. And no, 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 no. Look at the spirit of Paul. When he's dead, the Bible says that they prayed for him. He got up. And you know what he did? He went back and started preaching again. Watch this here. Y'all still with me? Verse 23 says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, I'm aware 
Some of us, some of us in here, some of us in here, one of the reasons why God has not told you what his plan is for you in specific, and remember now, your pastor has taught you that purpose is obeying what's in front of you. Let me explain this further. There are some of you right now saying, I can't hear from God. I'm waiting. I haven't heard from God. I prayed and he's not answered. And a lot of times that's an indication that God is trying to tell you, obey the last thing I said. Let me break this down. I know sometimes my mama, she's here, we'll see her next service. Uh, sometimes my mama would say to me, she would say, do A, B, and C. Go clean your room. And I wouldn't do it. And you know what? I, I, I try to have conversation with her, and she wouldn't even say nothing. I said, well, what's, what's for dinner? Ain't no, no response. Can I go outside and play? Uh-uh. You know why? Because she doesn't, she's saying, I, I gave you a command. And, you, and you're focused on something else when you ought to be focused on the last thing I said. Uh-huh. Oh, you're not hearing me now. One of the reasons why many of us are not hearing from God is because God says, I ain't going to say another thing to you until you do what I told you to do a few minutes ago. Till you do what I told you to do 10 years ago. Till you do what I, oh, you're not hearing me now. God, God, listen, God ain't just going to start investing revelation in you and just start opening up your eyes to truth and understanding when he told you to do something before and you still ain't done it. There are folks you need to talk to, relationships that need to be mended, people that you need to reconcile with, things that God has told you to do, ministry assignments he told you to take on. And all, and you sitting here, I want more from God. God is saying, I'm not giving you another thing until you do what I told you to do before. Amen. Well, he said, I know what's coming. They're going, they, 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 the Spirit has already told me prison and hardships are facing me. Now, at that point, I would have said, well, the Lord has spoken. Ain't no need to go in there. That's our mindset. We always love to take the road of least resistance. And many of us spiritualize that stuff. We tell ourselves if there is trouble, hardship, risk, or difficulty, then God is not in it. I like to flip that on you. More than likely, God is in it if there's trouble, hardship, risk, and, and, and trouble and difficulty and opposition. Why? Because the devil does not, the devil's going, the Bible says, narrow is the road. Come on, saints, you know the word. What is the word? The Bible says, narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, but broad is the way that leads, broad, what do you know what that means? It's easy. It's easy, but the way to doing the will of God is often met with opposition and difficulty, and it's tight, and, and sometimes you struggle, and you got to pray your way through it, worship your way through it, fight your way through it, and depend on God, and sometimes you don't have, and sometimes you do have, and sometimes you're blessed, and sometimes you don't feel so blessed, and sometimes you feel lonely. It is, oh God, thank you. It is not easy trying to serve the Lord. It is not easy trying to pursue the plan that God has for your life, but many of us, unlike Paul, we give up too easy simply because we see that there is hardship. There's some of us who ought to be serving in ministry here at the church, but we're not involved with ministry because we make excuses about how it's too difficult. I don't have time. I don't like the people. I don't like the direction of the church. I don't like the pastor. I don't like what time they're doing it. I don't like that. Listen, do you, can you imagine Paul, who was hungry to reach lost people, making excuses that he has to walk 10,000 miles? He didn't make those excuses. You know why? When you get to a place, when you know that God has moved and touched your life, you stop making excuses. You stop looking for reasons not to be in the game. You stop complaining about your circumstance. You're so hungry to do God's will that it doesn't matter what's around you, what's in front of you, what's beside you. You just want to do his will. 
We got most of our church not in ministry. Most of our church. We come, we sit up, we pay up, and we shut up. And most of us don't pay up. We don't do nothing. And we find reasons why. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't this. I this and the other. Listen, can you, how are you going to be ready for the last days? How are you going to be ready for the last days? And you have all these issues right now with God's church. You think one day you're just going to switch your thinking when, when the right pastor comes in or when the, when, when the church fits the way you like it or when the person that's in the ministry that you don't like leaves, then you're going to serve. Oh, y'all not here. Y'all, y'all don't want to pray. Can you imagine Paul? Can you imagine Paul? Paul, to me, had every reason in the world not to be in ministry in Jerusalem. Why? Not because people were hating on him. Not because they didn't like his style of ministry. They were trying to kill him. Amen. Amen. What's your excuse? Ain't nobody trying to kill you in here. He said, I know that in every city, verse 23, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. No, well, here it is. Here it is. Here's my text. Verse 24, are we there? Verse 24, Bible study. Can we have a little bit? Are we there? Uh, this, this text rocked my socks. It shook me up, blew me away. Whoa. Like, who, who says stuff like this? Now, he just told you, I know they're going to try to kill me. I know they're going to put me in prison. Look, I'm out on that. I ain't, listen, by, by the way, listen, one of my greatest fears in life, I ain't trying to go to prison. Don't want to go to prison. I've heard about things in prison. I'm not trying to go there. Some of y'all been there and you made it out. Praise God for you. But I ain't going to lie, I'm just being real. I don't want to go to prison. There's something about that place. I just don't want to go there. I don't want to go to prison. I can imagine if Paul was a human being, he's being warned by the Spirit. See, many of us, if, you're not, if you don't know the, the voice of the Spirit, Paul says, I was warned by the Spirit that there is persecution, prison, and hardships. Now, if the Holy Spirit told me that, my interpretation would be, don't go. Oh, come on in here, somebody. To me, that would not be a word of caution. That would be a word of prohibition. Don't go. Uh, the whole, listen, I'm not, his friends didn't tell him this. The spirit told him, when you go, you're going to go to prison. When you go, they're going to kick your butt. When you go, there's going to be hardships. When you go, nobody's going to support you. And your pastor, had, had the Holy Spirit told me that uh, in, in, in Nashville, Tennessee, before I came here, I would have said, the Lord has spoken. Honey, we're going to stay right here. Come on, say amen. We ain't going nowhere. I mean, if, so, if the Lord told you in advance, these children that you're going to have going to drive you crazy. These children you're going to have, you're going to spend all your money on legal fees. These children that you have, they're going to turn on you. These children that you have, they're going to mess over you. These children that you have, they're going to talk disrespectful to you. These children, how many of you would have that child? Come on, say amen. If the Holy Ghost told you, say amen. Listen, there'd be a new birth control that would be at work. Come on, say amen. If you knew in advance how the children were going to be. My point is, is nobody wants to suffer. As I said last week, there are some super saints. They're trying to make it seem like, oh, I'm down for suffering. Whatever, bring it on, bring it on. You lie. Who wants to be broke? Who wants to be sick? Who wants, to, who wants to have people turn their backs on them? Who wants to be lied on? Who wants to be talked about? Who wants to be messed over? Come on, y'all not praying with me in here. 
Who, want, who wants to be abused? Who wants to go? Who wants to go through crises? Who wants to be in court? Who wants to have their life threatened? Ain't nobody want to deal with that. Come on, talk to me, Zion. I don't know about you. I don't want to suffer. And if somebody told me you're going to suffer in advance, I'm looking for a way out. Is it? Come, come on, talk to me, somebody. Some of the stuff that God has asked us to do that we have not done, we haven't done it because we don't want to suffer. We know, oh, thank you, Jesus. We know that with the calling comes suffering. We know with the assignment comes some agitation. Thank you, Jesus. We know with the vision, Lord have mercy, comes the attack of the enemy. And many of us are avoiding what God told us to do because we don't want to suffer. And we spiritualize it and say, I don't believe that I should have to go through that. But honey, baby, my brother, can I talk to you for a minute? Anybody that lives godly shall suffer persecution. If you're going to try to do God's will, you can't do it without being harassed. You can't do it without being talked about. You can't do it without being lied on. You can't do it without people mis treating you. Part of the assignment comes with the territory of suffering. Akil gave me a sermon the other day and I was listening to it. Tim Keller. He's talking about how our society has changed. He says early on in the 19th century, the number one aspiration of people was God. As we started moving closer, the aspiration of people was success. Mm-hmm. Now, the aspiration of people is me. Wow. Now, what we like to say is, is it's generational. What I'd like to say to suggest to you is, we, so, so the young people are, are, less self, are more selfish than the older ones. That's not the case. We're living in an era an era, E-R-A, of self-centeredness and selfishness. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ellen tells us about it. She says that the sin of the age is covetousness, uh-huh. and she says self-centeredness and covetousness is eating out the life of the church. Can I tell you what, what can I break down what she's saying? We don't, anything that requires us to change or to be uncomfortable, or to go out of our way, or to cause humility. Oh, y'all not hearing me now. We want no part of it, and we got good at spiritualizing it. I don't feel led to serve this year. I don't feel led to be in a ministry. I don't feel led to work under him or under her. And you know what it is? What it really is, is selfishness. I will be like the most high. I will set my... So this is not the very spirit of Satan himself. It's all about me. But there used to be a day, somebody remembers a day, where, where, where in the old days, that, that people would put themselves aside. I never, I never shall forget my mama would tell me all the time how her mother denied herself education. Her mother denied herself opportunity. Her mother denied herself privileges. Why? Just so all eight or nine of her children could be educated. All nine of her children could be taught of the Lord. All nine of her children could live better than them. We're living in a generation now where we got with the reverses happening. Parents and grandparents and young people are so selfish. They don't want to put nobody ahead of themselves. They don't want to lift up nobody but themselves. We're greedy. We won't share. We got no love. 
no affection. We're cliquish. Racist. Well, I'm here now. You know, everybody is all on your boy, Don Sterling. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm coming down your street right now. Don Sterling, the big bad racist. How dare he deserves to have that team taken. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have y'all been watching the news? So if you haven't, there's a guy named Don Sterling. He is the owner of the Clippers. And somebody recorded him. Now, they did it on purpose. You can tell. If anybody listened to the transcript, they, she was pushing him to answer these ways. All right? So let, let's go with it, though. So, so he's, he's racist as all get out. Talking about he don't want his girlfriend, and the brother's married, by the way. I'm sorry. He don't want his girlfriend being seen publicly with Magic Johnson or black people. Come on, say amen. Huh? And, and, and of course, this thing hit the news, and, and all the black people are outraged. What? He said, what? Oh, he's he going down. And guess what? He's down, isn't he? Amen. A lifetime ban on Don Sterling. But let me help you Negroes out and tell you why Don Sterling is lifetime ban. You know why? Not because he talked about black people, but because he talked about black people and it got out, and now it's affecting white people's money. This, ain't, this don't got nothing to do with y'all. Because you know what? For, for, for years, Don Sterling was being, what, the worst stuff he did wasn't the stuff he said. It was the stuff he did to minorities and wouldn't house them, wouldn't give them places to live because of their race. He and his wife. And all, and all us black people sitting around here, oh, he ain't right here racist. We're racist. Let's talk. Can you imagine if God were to allow everybody in this room to be able to watch like a video, our thoughts or things that we have said when, when there was no microphone on us. Come on in here, somebody. You can look down on Don Sterling all you want, but you ought to, I, for me to sit here and say I haven't talked about white folks like that. Come on, y'all, it's quiet in here now. Or gays like that, y'all not talking to me now. Y'all not talking back to me now. If your job could hear some of the stuff you said, You'll be fired. If your husband heard some of the stuff you said, you'll be divorced. Oh, you're not hearing me now. If your children heard some of the stuff you said, they would never speak to you. Oh, y'all not praying with me in here right now. It's easy to look at Don Sterling and talk about how much of a racist he is. But the only difference between Don Sterling and you is that his stuff is out there and yours is not. See, you know that you're not right when you get more upset about the sins of other people than you get upset about yours. You know you and the Holy Spirit ain't on the same page when you get outraged about something that somebody got caught doing when you hadn't got caught doing the same thing. Mercy, Jesus. Now watch what Paul says. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Did y'all see that? Did you hear that, my sister? 
Now, watch the setup here. Watch the setup. You know why Paul wasn't intimidated and afraid of the suffering that was coming his way? Listen, y'all. He says, I consider my life worth nothing. Now, watch the next thing he says. He then says, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of his grace. So let me, let me break this down here. There's two ideas that are in conflict here. All right? Stay with me now. The first idea, Paul says, is my life to me is worth nothing. Now, let's pause on that. What he's saying is, is I put no stock or value in my own personal happiness. He's not saying I don't care about life. There's a difference. He's saying my life and my happiness and my comfort. I put no, as a matter of fact, it's an accounting term. It basically says, I've looked at my assets. I've looked at my liabilities. I've looked at what's in the bank. I look like what's coming in and what's going out. And as I look at my life and I see all these transactions, I am convinced that this life doesn't mean much to me. Can I go further? Can I go deeper here? What we need to embrace as a body of believers is, is that life on the, see, we live too much for the now. Amen. Amen. Most of us are making non-stop investments in this life. If you really believed that the significance of your existence is not what happens down here, but what happens up there, then you would live, then you wouldn't care about some of the stuff you care about. Notice what he says. He says, I don't care about personal happiness and success. He said, what I care about is that I finish the race. It's not about competition. It's about completion. And did he not say in Philippians 1 and 6, he that began a good work? He said, I don't care. I don't I don't care about all this stuff. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about what people think. I don't care if I have to suffer. You know why? Because this life to me is not more important than the responsibility and the purpose that God has given me to do. In other words, Paul is saying this, and this is where we are not as a body of believers. Paul is saying, my purpose is more, is more important than my personal happiness. He says, look, I don't, it doesn't matter. I, and, and one of the things you'll discover, and I'll, I'll draw up more of it in the next service, but, but, but for the sake of time now, one of the things you'll discover is people were coming up to Paul, and the scripture would say this. It would say this, David. It said, the Holy Spirit told the believers to warn Paul about the coming dangers. Now, let me, let me help you out with that. 
Some of us already have a hard time hearing from God. But can you imagine if some of your friends came to you and said, the Holy Spirit, we were in prayer yesterday. We were all night prayer service. And while we were praying, the Spirit showed up and told us that if you take that job, if you take that ministry, you're going to suffer. You, you, you probably are going to die. Now, the text of Scripture says that the Spirit told the people that Paul was, are y'all hearing this? Paul, are you crazy? The Holy Ghost told, and they begged Paul. They said, Paul, don't go there. The Spirit told us that you are going to suffer, you're going to die. Paul, and the Bible says, Paul, I love in chapter 21, says he tore himself from them. They pleaded with him, Paul, you're going to die, don't go. Paul said, y'all, calm down. I don't care about dying. That's another level of commitment. Paul's saying this, I'd rather die doing his will than live and not do it. Let me say it another way. Phyllis, what Paul is saying is this, that life is not about what you get out of it. Life is about what you put into it. Now, let me help you out with something. We think the happiest people in the world are the people who have the less, least amount of problems. Well, Harvard did some research. You know what Harvard found out? It said the happiest people in the world are the people with the most problems, but think less about themselves and more about other people. Can I break it down? Oh, I just don't like my life. My children, I'm sick. Yeah. Don't like church. Don't like church people. Don't like my job. Don't like my family. Don't like my husband. Don't like my wife. And you see them. They're in here right now. They come in like this. And you know what Ellen White says? She says that the critical spirit they have causes them to create imaginary problems. So some stuff that's not really even wrong. See, when, when you already have a negative mindset, Now, if anybody should be carrying themselves around like that, it should be Paul. You about to die. Paul, you're going to go to prison. When you go there, you're going to prison, you're going to die. To me. Just help me out. If anybody should be carrying themselves around like it should be a man that's about to die. And has been warned, not by the state, but by the Holy Spirit. You're going to die. If you go there and you preach, you're a dead man. If you go there, you'll be in prison. If you go, you're going to die. Paul said, I don't care. Being comfortable and happy is not really happy for me at all. What gets me going 
is doing the work of God. I get, I get glad and excited about serving people no matter how uncomfortable it makes my life. And many of us have not gotten that message yet. We are still trying to get out of life all that we can and realizing that the more we try to get out of it, the more unhappy we are all the time. Let's end it right here. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Hershey. Well, let me, can I testify? I'm not here. Now, I know you are. And I'm going to get on your level. But do you know what he's saying, mother? He's saying, I don't care if I die. Brothers and sisters, even those of us who are getting, who have less, less runway ahead of us than we have behind us. Don't nobody want to die. Come on, say amen, somebody. And I, I'm not trying to go out like that. But, but something happens in Paul's mind where he got to a place where God's work was more important than his personal happiness. And here's what I'm saying. If we don't get there, we are going to be lost. We operate on personal satisfaction and happiness. And we treat church like that. Didn't like music. Didn't like sermon. Don't like that usher. Those people judge me all the time. didn't speak to me. <laughs> Brothers, with that attitude, how are how, how you, how you going to make it when this United States government, this land of the free home of the brave, says of the lamb-like beast, um, take their money. Can't buy can't sell. But right now, the smallest things get on your nerves and keep you from doing God's work. And all you do is sit around and talk. They didn't serve chocolates at potluck. She sang that song last week. Are we still in the book of Acts? I served last week. Why I got to serve again? Paul walked 10,000 miles. Let me show y'all something. Let me end it right. I think you're getting the message, right? I think you're getting it, right? Watch this. And, and it goes for me too. We're spoiled. We are a spoiled, coddled group of American middle class Christians who ain't really ever suffered. Second Corinthians. I 
I don't care. I got to die. Okay, but it, okay, so if I don't die, what am I going to do? Then, Paul, then you can't preach the gospel. Oh, sorry. Paul, people are going to kill you. <laughs> nah. Because, see, this thing is like fire. Shut up in my bones. <laughs> see, you weren't there when, 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 when Jesus took my eyesight and knocked me off my high horse. I was out there killing Christians. You weren't there when I was, oh, I was, I was cracked up, pimped up, laid up. Y'all, ain't, y'all don't want to pray. You weren't there when I was pregnant before, with no husband and he ran out on me. And I'm sitting up there in the hospital. What am I going to do next? You don't want to talk to me. You weren't there when I was in rehab. Didn't think I was going to get set free. Where was you? You weren't there when, they, when the doctors told me that you will not survive. But I'm still here right now. You weren't there when somebody came in my apartment with a gun and shot me. But I came out and I'm still here. See, that's why I, I want to preach. And that's why I want to testify. And that's why I want to serve. And that's why I don't care if people talk. That's why I don't care if I'm comfortable. That's why I don't care if it goes the way I want it to go. It ain't about you. Thank you, Lord. It ain't about what you are doing and what you are saying and how you, how you do what you ain't about. It's about what God has done in my life. You were not there when he found me. You could not feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me. This thing is not about you. It's not about me. We're not here. 2 Corinthians 11. Look at this. This is mind-blowing. Go to verse 23. No, 20, 21. To my shame, I admit. This is Paul speaking. All right? I want you to see how he thinks. See, let's see how Paul thinks. He says, um, to my shame, and if you're on a different version, you can just look at the screen. My, my version and the, and the screen are in sync. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Would anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Verse 23, are they servants of Christ? And I love what Paul says. He says, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. He says, I am more. He says, I've worked much harder. Been in prison more frequently been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Verse 24, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Brothers and sisters, okay. Paul Paul is what you call a survivor. Now this just hit me. This is not in my notes, but it just occurred to me that Paul was stranded in the middle of the ocean. Mm. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, this brother was out in the middle. There, there, was, there was no search, no, no, nobody searching for a ping. Mercy God, Paul. He says in verse 26, I have been, I have been constantly on the move. Some of us, 
If we have to move a little bit, adjust our view, adjust our, how we do something, adjust where we sit, adjust, I mean, we all uptight. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily. Lord have mercy. Brother Daniel, did you see that? Daily, he said. No days off. Some of us, come on, has anybody had a good week lately? Some of us have a good week. Paul says, my whole life is suffering. But I'm more happy than you are. Oh, you missed that. Oh, you missed that. Sister Mary, listen here. Paul says happiness is not on how much suffering you experience or don't experience. But Deborah, he said joy. Ah, yes. See, happiness is based, y'all heard this before, right? Happiness is based on my external circumstances. Is it a good day? Is it snowing? Is it not snowing? Have people been nice? Have they not been nice? It was church the way I wanted. See, see, you'll always be up and down when you are trying to be happy. But when the joy of the Lord is your strength. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what you're experiencing. Doesn't matter what hardship. You, Paul said, I was out in the middle of the ocean all by myself. Hallelujah. He said, but I have the joy of the Lord just to be in God's service. Carl, just to do his will. Just to serve and see folks saved. He says, that gives me joy. I don't mind suffering. I don't mind being, being harassed. I don't mind being lied on. I don't mind bandits chasing me. If I might just serve and do my God's will. Philippians 3. Paul's the happiest man in the world, and he's getting ready to die. You're the unhappiest person in the world, and you don't know whether you're going to live or die tomorrow. Holy Spirit, take away this me-first mindset. I say Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Let's end here. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, look at the text, saints. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day 
of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was my prophet, you, you, catch it, you see what he's about to say, right? What I thought brought happiness. I'm realizing now, Paul is saying, he says, but for, the, but for whatever was my prophet, I now consider what, everybody? Loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss ooh, compared to surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Did you catch that? Paul says, I've lost everything, but I count it a loss. I count it a gain. He says, I consider them rubbish. The Greek word is dung, fecal matter. Paul says, I consider happiness. I consider, you know, whether I'm dating or not or, you know, whether I got it going on, if I got the right car. He said, it's all dung. It's rubbish. That stuff don't bring happiness. That stuff don't bring joy. That's, uh, but that stuff is here today and gone tomorrow. <sighs> what does he say here? He says that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from who, everybody? God is by what? I want to know Christ. Oh, I love Paul. This is, this, is, this is what I'm about. This is what he's saying. He said, I'm not about our happiness. I'm not about my color. I want to know Christ. How, Paul? In the power of his resurrection. And Sister, Sister Estelle Williams, he says, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Paul says, if knowing Jesus requires the high mountains of God's resurrecting power and also invites the low valleys of suffering. He says, if that's what it's going to take to love on Jesus, he says, give it to me. Because I want to know him. Let me say this. You cannot know Jesus by avoiding difficulty and difficult people. Some of you right now are avoiding things you don't like, avoiding people you don't like, avoiding situations that are uncomfortable to you. And what you are doing is you're avoiding knowing Jesus deeper. To become like him in his death. (laughs) Wow. That's what he's aspiring. Most of us, I just want to go to the next level. I want to be blessed. Paul said, I don't care about being blessed. I want to know him. And, to, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12, we're going to bring it down here as we close off these verses. He says, not that I have already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself, go ahead, Michelle, to yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. How many things, everybody? Forgetting. What is behind? Straining. (laughs) 
toward what is ahead. He says, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. My brothers and sisters, I never shall forget, I was at Andrews University. I was always a good athlete. I'm not saying that to be boastful, but I was. But I had a roommate who said, if you want to get stronger, if you want to get better, you need to lift some weights. I used to always tell folk I had natural muscles. He said, nah, bro, you got to get in this gym. He's a physical therapist now. Name's Joey Powell. I never shall forget the first time I went in there and I started lifting them little 25s, 15s. When I was done, I was sore. You have, you've been there? So I mean like sore, sore. Felt it in every place in my body. I, 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 there were muscles sore that I didn't even know I had muscles. And I said, yo, man, I said, I need he said, because he woke me up the next morning and said, let's go. I said, no, brother, I'm sore. I need a week to recover. He says, the way you recover is by getting back in there and adding more weight. See, many of you are trying to recover from life by looking for peace, looking for comfort looking to avoid difficult people and problems. But you know what the Word of God teaches us? Uh-uh, you gotta press. And pressing suggests what? It suggests that there's resistance. If I have to press something, that means that it's in my way and I gotta get it out of my way. When you get the mindset of pressing, you're getting the mindset that I will not avoid difficulty, I will not avoid uncomfortability, I will not avoid putting others first, I will do whatever I've got to do because I want to press and get to the goal. Father in heaven, right now in the name of Jesus. Paul says, I don't care about life. I don't, I don't worry about that. My number one desire is to do your will and to tell the story of what God has done. Help us as we make this appeal now, Lord, as I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Question. Do you have the mindset of Paul? Are you that committed to God's... Listen, listen, listen to me. Are you more concerned with God's work than you're concerned with your own personal happiness? If you cannot answer in the affirmative to that, then I invite you to come down here and be prayed that self will no longer rule your life. More of his love who died 